Hi people, this is Alan Watt. Today it is March the 14th, 2007. This is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com And we're living in this bizarre world, which gets more bizarre by the day. As I'm sure purposely more information is released to keep us in this strange uh, fantasy land where all change is good as long as it comes from the top all change everything is changing change is good even the ads tell you that change is good just do it it's quite amazing to see predictive programming being marketed to us so incessantly and easily because even a statement like change is good if you stop for a second and think well if you have no info on, on what's to change and where it's to go why would you decide it was good or, or who did decide it was good and who says change is good it could be a bad change yeah, this is the sort of incessant nonsense we're, we're, we're given from magazines and advertising. However, we certainly are in a role for change. There's no doubt on that. Today I'm going to read from a, an article put out by the Leahy Clinic Medical Ethics Journal put out back in winter of 2001 going on about the future of the implantable brain chips with the ethical and policy issues that there tells you see it's not for you to decide what's ethical or what the policy should be it's already understood there's going to be a policy Yet the ethical committees, you see, who deal with this, the bioethical committees, are actually eugenicist organizations paid by the big foundations. And they pretend that they are there to, to ensure that human values are brought into all the discussions on changes to the anatomy and to the brain and to everything else as we progress along this road of scientific perfection so we don't have to worry about it it's all been done for us isn't it quite amazing how they have trained a whole world in a short time really not to be involved in the, your, your, your destiny they, they tell you to leave it to them that's what socialism ultimately is it's the training of people from childhood that experts and professionals will deal with every problem you could possibly encounter so sit back do work, play and just be a perpetual child throughout your entire life and sure enough they will give you lots and lots of things to pass your time with they've made sure of that but whatever you do don't sit and think just uh, put on some fancy brand name clothes made for running and run across the streets and run around the streets uh, or, or join a club and, and run on treadmills just keep doing all that stuff you see don't sit and think whatever you do and if you read at all which and there's very few who do today apart from novels uh, just make sure that it is a good authorized novel which will program you on what's to come and even make it exciting you'll want the next step because you can convince people to do anything in, in fiction that's what fiction is for but by God they, they, they have covered all their bases as far as how not to have people think 
many years ago in the bars, for instance, in Britain, which were social gathering places where everything was discussed. People met there and you'd, you'd walk in and you'd hear this massive chatter of everyone talking to everyone else. And then around the 1970s, suddenly the trend uh, through these big, a lot of them were actually chains, these bars owned by the big brewing companies. Suddenly, televisions, massive televisions appeared, and everyone blasting away there with sports on them to try and get the guys to stop talking and to stare at the silly television screen. And sometimes they'd even have the television screen on with the sports there, and they'd be blasting rock music out at the same time, making it impossible to communicate with anyone. That was done on purpose. This was all planned at the top and marketed through all the chains and associations to destroy communication. So this is from this particular publication I'm reading tonight. It's the Leahy Clinic Medical Ethics Journal. Very professional, isn't it? Hmm. Medical Ethics. The feature is the Implantable Brain Chips, Ethical and Policy Issues, Winter 2001, by Ellen M. McGee, Ph.D., the director of the Long Island Center for Ethics, Long Island University, C.W. Post, Brookville, New York. And then there's Gerald Q. McGuire, Jr., Ph.D., Royal Institute of Technology, Kista, Sweden. The future may include the reality of science fiction's cyborgs, persons who have developed some intimate and occasionally necessary relationship with the machine. It's almost like dating, isn't it? You've developed a, a necessary relationship with the machine, a sort of fetish. It is likely that the computer chips implanted in our brains and acting as sensors or actuators, actuators may soon or not only assist the blind. So here we go, always right into the helping the poor disabled, which never gets done, by the way. May soon not only assist the blind and those with failing memory, but even bestow fluency in a new language, enable recognition of previously unmet individuals, and provide instantaneous access to encyclopedic databases. Wow! Developments in nanotechnology, bioengineering, computers, and neuroscience are converging, just by coincidence, by the way, eh? to facilitate these amazing possibilities. Research on cochlear hearing and retinal vision has furthered the development of interfaces between neural tissues and microcomputers. The cochlear implant, which directly stimulates the auditory nerve, enables totally deaf people to hear sound. An artificial vision system, the Dobell Eye, uses a tiny television camera and ultrasonic distance sensors mounted on eyeglasses and connected to a miniature computer worn on a belt. This invention enables the blind to navigate independently and read letters, watch television, use a computer and access the internet. So here's, here's your, your plus good, plus good stuff, you see. These visual activities are achieved by triggering pulses from the microcomputer to an array of platinum electrodes implanted on the surface of the brain's visual cortex. In March 1998, a locked-in victim of a brainstem stroke became the first recipient of a brain-to-computer interface, enabling him to communicate on a computer by thinking about moving the cursor. That was not true. It was done long before that. Used for therapy such as remediating retardation. <laughs> yeah, they really, they really care about that. Replacing lost memory faculties or substituting for defective sensory abilities, implantable brain chips are not are non-controversial. In other words, there's no argument here. They're telling us it's non-controversial. And here's the other part, desirable inventions, interventions. Hmm. So there's no, no debate here whatsoever. Even though this is the con 
to help the poor that makes us all accept the next lethal step. The issues that arise with such therapeutic uses of implantable brain chips primarily involve questions of equity and the cost of implementing this technology, really. Questions that are far more difficult are raised by the potential for enhancement or enhancement. Genetic enhancement and digital enhancement, all these enhancement features, making you better. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him for six million dollars. Better, bigger, stronger. All this stuff was getting promulgated through fiction back in the 70s and the 80s, getting us all ready for this. Because they already had all this then, you see. The linkage of smaller, lighter and more powerful computer systems with radio technologies that involve low-frequency electromagnetic waves, widely used for wireless communication, will enable future users to access information and communicate anywhere or anytime. Plus good, eh? Through miniaturization of components, systems have already been developed that are wearable and nearly invisible so that individuals supported by a personal information structure can move about and interact freely as well as share experiences with others through networking. They'll be buzzing, won't it? The wearable computer project envisions users accessing a large communally based data source, a communally based data source. The next step in this development is the, is the use of the implantable brain chip and the direct neural interfacing. It's an interesting word, interfacing, because in one sense it also means to inter, to bury the face. We'll all be Borg, faceless basically. Personality is non-existent. We'll be number so-and-so like Seven of Nine was, that other part of the programming we got through fiction in the Star Trek series. As intelligence or sensory amplifiers, oh, isn't that a nice, you see the way that this, this is all creatively put together. As intelligence or sensory amplifiers, like it's going to amplify your intelligence. The implantable chips will generate at least four benefits, so it's all plus plus good here. Fuzzy, warm, nice words. No negative words involved here. That's what they use in marketing strategies, you see. Increasing the range of senses. Increasing the range of senses. Hmm. Enabling, for example, seeing infrared lights, ultraviolet lights, and chemical spectra. Enhancing memory. Oh. Enabling cyberthink, invisible communication with others when making decisions, and facilitating access to information where and when it is needed. These enhancements will produce major improvements in quality of life or in job performance. We'll be very, very good workers. I wonder if they'll give you a pay raise for this. Or will they just donate money to the, to the guys who own you back in the main programming office? The first prototypes for these improvements in human functioning should be available in five years. Military devices within ten years, well, that's nonsense, they already have them for military, Adoption by information workers within 15 years and general use in 20 to 30 years. Oh, come on, it's long before that. A myriad of technical, ethical and social concerns should be considered, I wonder by whom, before proceeding with implantable chips. The most obvious and basic problems involve safety. Oh, the care. Evaluation of the costs and benefits of these implants requires a consideration of the surgical and long-term risks. But we've already heard it's just a little injection in the brain, haven't we, from others. A little tiny, tiny, tiny injection in the brain. The question of whether or not the difficulties with development of non-toxic materials will allow long-term usage should be answered in studies on therapeutic options and thus not be a concern for enhancement usage. Enhancement usage. However, the issue of whether there should be a higher standard for safety when technologies are used for enhancement rather than therapy needs public debate or will get public debate, won't we? Yes, debate. Yep, we'll get public indoctrination through a, 
a massive advertising campaign by professionals telling us what our opinions should be as they do with everything else. Because of the enormous potential for social impact, it is debatable where the informed consent, even got con hyphen sent, interesting isn't it, of recipients should be sufficient for permitting implementation. Consideration needs to be given to the sociological and psychological effects of enhancing human nature. Will the use of computer brain interfaces change our conception of man and our sense of identity? If people are actually connected via their brains, the boundaries between self and community will be considerably diminished. No kidding. Not only may the boundaries of the real and the virtual worlds blur, but the pressures to act as a part of the whole, as a collective consciousness. Boy, the New Agers are going to love this one. They've been programmed for years for this rather than as an isolated individual would be increased. The sense of self as a unique and isolated individual might be changed. Modifying the brain and its powers could change our psychic states and our understanding of what it means to be human, so that to redefine human. This has all been done already in most people through fiction, like the movie Artificial Intelligence, where they led you through this story where really little robots were were more human than the people who acted like animals and selfish, uh, emotional type of people. And eventually they take you right through this spectrum of thousands of years or maybe even millions to have this perfect type of new type, golden robot type thing. The golden people, you know, that they talk about in all the occult circles who are more human than their ancient ancestors and very concerned people too who are also in contact with each other they don't really talk except psychically so to carry on here the borders between me the physical self and me the perceptory intellectual self could change as the ability to perceive and interact expands Whether this would lead to bestowing greater weight to collective responsibilities or collective responsibilities, and whether this would be a beneficial would be beneficial are unknown. Oh, who's kidding? Who? This is baby talk. This stuff. This is baby speak. For very low programming and conditioning purposes, because this has all been discussed in vast detail, donkeys years ago, years ago at high level organizational meetings. Since usage may also engender a human being with augmented sensory capacities, the implications need consideration. Supersensory sight will see radar, infrared and ultraviolet images. Augmented hearing will detect softer and higher and lower pitch sounds. Enhanced smell will intensify our ability to discern sense. and an amplified sense of touch will enable discernment of environment-mental. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Interesting, that, isn't it? And not, that's not by mistake. Environment-mental. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Stimuli, like changes in barometric pressures. The capacities would change the norm for humans. As the numbers of enhanced humans increase... Today's nor-mal, nor-mal, mal is bad, by the way, nor-mal, might be seen as subnormal, leading to the medicalization of another area of life. Boy, the pharmacists are going to love this. Thus, substantial questions revolve around whether there should be limits placed upon modifications of essential aspects of the human species. Now, they've already gone through this, as I say, at high-level meetings, They've been going on for donkey's years, where they'll give policemen and, and, and the, the robot ones that, that carry truncheons and things, they'll, they'll give them the, the certain smells, uh, smells enhancement, so they can smell fear. Oh, you've done something wrong, grab that guy. Uh, or, or they'll see certain things in the dark, 
they're the ones who are going to get that type of thing to, to, to you know, be the police. Where Joe Average Worker will be purpose made for his job. Changes in human nature would be come, be hyphen come. B should, should be B-E hyphen come. More pervasive if the altered consciousness were that of children. Will parents in our intensely competitive society be able to secure implants for, for their children? Oh, here we go. We should worry now. Will we be able to get them for our children? Will we be lucky to draw, first come, first served? What will it be? <gasps> get it now. It's free. Just like the flu shots. And if so, how will that change the already unequal lottery of life? Will the inequalities produced create a demand for universal coverage of these devices and healthcare plans, further increasing costs of society? Or will implanted brain chips be available only to those who can afford a substantial investment? thus further widening the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Of major concern should be the social impact of implementing a technology that widens the divisions not only between individuals, but also between rich and poor nations, like that's not been discussed either, eh? Beyond these more imminent prospects, British scientists have concluded that in about 30 years, it will be possible to keep capture data presenting all of a human being's sensory experiences on a single tiny chip implanted in the brain. Now they can already do that. As I say, this is all predictive programming, which they're ready to do, but they make you think it's way off in the future. That way we get time to think about things and accept it. This data would be collected by biological probes receiving electrical impulses and would enable a user to recreate experiences or even to transplant memory chips from one brain to another. Let's put our heads together, eh? Hmm. Combined with cloning technologies and given the possibility of continually recording and editing our lives, novel, novel, meanings of the self would be generated. And that's all been pushed again through movies, which they said they would do at the Loyola meetings to do with the brain chip. They would promote it as a positive thing through movies and fiction and novels and even cartoons. And this has all been done because we saw Robin Williams come out with his, uh, was it the cutter or the cutting room or something, to do with that brain chip where they'd have your whole memory in there and they could watch little parts of it after you're dead and cry that little, little Johnny's gone. The most frightening implication of this technology is the grave possibility that it would facilitate totalitarian control of humans. Oh, no, no, no. No, that would never happen in our wonderful world of professional management where they're there to serve us because they love us. That would never happen, would it? And actually we know that the truth is we live in the age of the ultimate control freak. This is a time when there are so many governmental agencies crossing each other's boundary lines that they're standing on each other's toes and pushing each other out the way for control over people. Uh, so, so here they go with, with this. I mean, of course it would facilitate totalitarian control of humans. That's the purpose of it. And once this happens and everyone's been chipped, there's no going back. It's done. There's no debate. There will be no debate for the society in this at all. And once it's done, that's it. Game over. You're switched off. You won't have a consciousness. You won't be you anymore. But they must legally get the public to accept it legally, wanting it, you see to convince you to go for it. Using such technology, commercial interests or governments could control and monitor citizens. In a free society, this possibility 
in a free society may seem remote. I wonder where there's a free society. Although it is uh, plausible to project initial compulsory usage for children. Ah, there you go. It's possible to to basically see compulsory usage for children, for the military as well, or for criminals. Oh, how about paedophiles? The mums will all cheer when that's done. And once it's done for them, well, that's the next step. Uh, Let's get your children done too, because, well, they're irresponsible. And they might be hyper after all those shots I've had. And there might be a few thinkers amongst them, so it's just better than riddling. And mummy and daddy can have some peace and watch television and be brainwashed. Policy decisions will arise about this usage, and also about mandating implants to affect specific behaviours. Oh, here we go, behaviour modification. A paramount worry, I wonder who's worrying about this, a paramount worry involves who will control the technology and what will be programmed. This issue overlaps the uneasiness about privacy concerns and the need for secure communication links. The prospects for sinister invasions of liberty and privacy are alarming. In view of the potential potentially revolutionary implications of the implantable brain chip. Should its development and implementation be prohibited or, at the very least, regulated? This is the question that open dialogue needs to address. Open dialogue. Between whom, though? Because, after all, they've already said that the public are too ignorant to to debate anything. We're not experts, you see. Certainly, it appears that moving towards implantable brain chips can be a positive step. So, in other words, they've already decided that, you see. A contradiction right there. In the, in the evolution, evolution of humans. You see, we're evolving. We, we jumped from little amoebas in the clusters a long time ago and crawled out the slime th- through some strange need to evolve. And somewhere inside there, there was this mushed-up intelligence that eventually became an ape and and swung through jungles and did all that stuff and ate lots of fruit. And then eventually one, one, one ape killed another one, which they don't generally do, and the one that killed them became a leader, you see, of conquest. And it was conquest that, well, uh, they kept doing that, this little band uh, of, of killers, and then they got better and better, and then nature decided to evolve bigger and better again, and, and, and wow, we just went through all these different changes, and, and, and here we are. And the same little drive in us is going to make us make brain chips to, to change us again, you see. Which kind of means we were made all wrong in the first place, which have been pieces of metal, perhaps, or silicone chips, and, uh, or quartz. And instead of going to be apes first, we could have cut the corners and it just became silicone chips. Hmm. So we're evolving. Hmm. Yep. And the evolution of humans. Nevertheless, the issues as described in this paper are weighty and need international consideration. Disagreement exists even between the authors of this paper. Gerald Maguire thinks... There should be no limits placed on how people can choose to modify themselves. Sure, the public will choose to modify themselves. Here they are, getting free flu shots at some grocery places in Canada uh, with $10 worth of groceries. You get a free flu shot. I mean, they've tried everything to get you the flu shot. And massive publicity campaigns paid by our tax money every year to convince us to do it even though there's no proof that it even works. In fact, there's more proof to the, to the contrary that it's harmful for you. So, so here they are on, on about um, how people can choose to study to modify themselves. It's all been, this has all been debated at the high level. In fact, the reason research and development has gone in this direction years ago was to take over the whole human race, except for a small elite. The small elite, of course, of of Dalton and uh, Huxley. 
the dominant minority, the ones who will not be changed. And they'll have the utopia because we'll all be brain dead and controlled by machines. Ellen McGee thinks that it, at least initially, when used for enhancement, oh, enhancement, oh, positive word, you see, positive work. The technology should be regulated, treated as research on human subjects. Subjects, you see, human subjects, this is a British term. Every other country had citizens, but Britain always had subjects because you were subject to the Queen or the King. You were a subject, not a person, you see. A person would have rights, so you were a subject. And closely monitored for its effects. Both authors are worried about uses in the military and for children or other individuals whose choices might be compelled. And you can imagine the teachers that have been uh, uh, pushing uh, little Johnny there who asked too many questions. And she says, well, he's hyper and a darn nuisance. And he's asking questions I can't answer. So she gets him on riddling. That's how easy it's been up till now. The teachers say so. You can imagine what will happen uh, if you ask questions and, and here they come and drill a hole in your head and give you a little injection in the brain, eh? McGee is particularly troubled by the inequities, especially on an international level, that will arise if this technology is left to a market economy. Our discussions have convinced us that public debate, public, we've never ever had public debate on anything, and multidisciplinary evaluation from thinkers in the fields of computer science, biophysics, medicine, dun, 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 law, religion, philosophy, public policy, and international economy are urgently needed. In other words, the professionals and experts will do all the debating for us, maybe in front of us, and they will come to the conclusions that we must have. But we're too stupid to, because we're just silly, non-professional people, you see. This is predictive programming, this piece, because what I've said here is antique. It's antiquated information. So it's repeated here. And it's actually a marketing blurb, the way it's put across in a positive fashion, in a caring fashion, concerned fashion. But it's a marketing ploy to get us all used to it. It's only one of many ploys to get us used to this. If people haven't noticed in the last few years especially, never mind the history of the world, we're seeing the most incredible totalitarian system worldwide being implemented of a police state and spying on the public under the guise of international terrorism which is a, a fantastic blind which is a con for changing the world as we go global when you're global we can't have any nations which are enemies anymore so we must make it terrorists just like the Soviet system did once they had established the Soviet Union but technically they really had no enemies outside no one went in and demolished them apart from Adolf Hitler but after that no one did and so they had to find enemies within so they invented terrorists and thought criminals and stuff like that and that's what they must do to keep themselves in power. You don't need government if things are going smoothly. Government thrives on, on, on protecting you from enemies. So they've got to find them, or create them, or train them. Which they're very good at doing too. And all of this was predicted and planned a long time ago. So here we are, going into this totalitarian system where the United Nations agenda has said quite openly in its habitat uh, spiels there will be no private property in the future. You'll be living in habitat areas for Agenda 21, which all the countries signed into. You'll be monitored from birth to death. You'll be assigned tasks to do, work to do. You'll have to take whatever treatment is deci decided for you by the professionals or tranquilized or whatever they decide to do with you. And they're talking about having public debates about 
putting a chip in your brain to control and actually eliminate what was you. Who's kidding who? And they started off always with, this might help the disabled. They always bring out, just like the charities, with all their scams, some poor sod who's lost an arm or a leg or something like that, a very emotive issue, and we fall for it, and the real intent behind it all has nothing to do with it. And the money doesn't go there. They're selling this idea, as they said they would, through novels and movies and cartoons where, where heroes have superpowers, augmented powers by having little chips in their body. And you think this isn't planned this way? Remember what Lenin said. Who worked for the bankers He was trained to do The dialectic part His part In the agenda And he said that society Could go in a thousand directions As to how it would exist And how it would be But the public mustn't know that The generations must believe That the one that they're born into Has naturally evolved That's the trick of it all The money that's gone in to chipping the brain and the research facilities to get the grants from big government departments and war departments, military departments and through the big foundations, they direct where all research goes. They could put it into space exploration or anything they want to, but they picked the brain, how to dominate and control the brain and they picked this way back openly in their books in the 1950s that's the direction they wanted to go for a controlled world a controlled society and Huxley talked and some of his talks about it they knew exactly where they would go and how long it would take to convince the public that it was time to accept it here we are no more you and I I could actually I could do a whole program or two or three or four on how they'll package and market it to you I can almost see the ads already to make you want this to happen but they'll never tell you the real purpose behind it once everyone has it when they pull the big switch and the real purpose kicks in will mankind go out with a whimper and not with a bang now how will this be marketed to the people it already is this blurb was one of the ploys to get the message across one of the many ploys coming out from all different magazines and institutions little television uh, exposés and that's nothing at all because you see the real work to lead up to this point on the public began over 50 years ago conditioning the public through again mass advertising and magazines women were the first target to be unhappy about themselves they were too fat they were too thin too tall too short hair was too dark too light too red whatever massive campaigns to make you feel inadequate not to be happy with yourself and this has been an incessant bombardment right up to the present escalating in fact because now we have all this Hollywood nonsense in the news with all the plastic surgeon clean cut faces of actors and actresses with their little silicone enhancements 
to make us all feel, well, not quite up to par. We've also created a crisis about getting older because it's a youth culture. Amazing, it's a a culture, it's it's a world run by deviant, interbred elitists who are old, who design each part of the culture for the young, from fashions to music, drama, and all of it. Old, expert people, professionals, purpose inbred for their tasks, design a youth culture, and make everybody terrified about their first wrinkle or grey hair, or when they don't look like they're 18 anymore. That was all preparation for wanting something which will at least give you an image, a different image of yourself. You've been made to feel inadequate. And we've been given impossible standards to live up to because unless, well, unless you want to spend fortunes on plastic surgery and all the other treatments they get, the ones who are presented to us as the, the perfect people. Hmm. This is all to make you feel that human and being you is not good enough. You're a failure. And if you're past 25 or 28, you're past it altogether. You see, it's time to get ready for senility and Viagra. That's what we're all conditioned with, you see, incessantly. None of this came about by chance. It all works together in the culture creation industry. It works for the elite. It's run by the elite who decide what we think, what we want, what will make us happy and unhappy. And also to make us dwell on what we're supposed to want. This whole part about interfacing Memories from other people through engrams and tracing, etc., will be used and promoted in the advertising campaigns, which you will hear fairly shortly. I'm sure they're made up already, and I'm sure thousands of think tanks participated in all of this for many years before they even start selling the idea to us. And what have they used in the past, apart from making you feel inadequate? over the hill, dumpy, skinny, or whatever. Sex. Sex sells. And here they can give you some superstar having sex with some other superstar, and you will experience all of it as though it were you. You'll be the superstar. That will be one of the big selling points as they try and get everyone to take this. It's interesting at the beginning of the internet and even up to the present, the media, when the public didn't know much about this blossoming internet, enter the net, you know. But they did make sure that you knew that, my God, there was pornography everywhere in it. The one that was the big hook. That's why that was incessantly drummed into the people through the media. Oh, there's pornography. Oh, well, that's, that was guaranteed to get everyone in, especially the young. And here is a new thing, a brain chip, where they would give you someone else's experiences. Hmm. You'll live the experience. And little old, short, fat, skinny, tall, whatever you that you're unhappy with will be suddenly a superstar. You'll be Superman with Lois Lane melting the Arctic as you do your thing. And you'll feel every minute of it, every sensation. That will be how they'll sell part of this whole idea. And unfortunately that will work on a lot of people. Because very few people today content with themselves. It's not meant to be content. They're they're made to feel inadequate, unhappy, 
because you can't live up to impossible fictional standards. The New Agers will be sold it. They're ready for it. They've been promoted it for years, been trained for years that we're all going to be one. How wonderful, brother, are you of the body? The old Star Trek series. And they can exchange their, their New Age palaver, which was all given to them. Like you always give our, uh, catchphrases and buzzwords and terms for a religion. Well, they got theirs too, all designed for them. And my goodness, they could even have past life experiences all made up in Hollywood studios, but they'll be real to them. And they can, they can prattle away forever. And all these hypnotists will be out of business, some of the ones that make them remember these experiences. You won't need them anymore. So many things, the facets in society work together. And when you see everything working, multifaceted, apparently even separate organizations, professions, and education system, everything working in the same direction, it is not by chance. It's by design. They will make it so unpleasant to be conscious. They already have. They're going at it big time with this fear and terror and uh, inflation and possible loss of jobs and and uh, all that stuff. They can put the pressure on. People will want escape. And all you have to do then is bring out the solution. Better than Valium. And that's what Valium was pushed for when they first brought it out. You won't worry anymore. You won't remember much either, but you won't worry. Through science they shall conquer. But they do need our complicity. Our willingness to go along with it. They've trained the public to be non-involved in any major decision that happens that will affect our lives. We've all to leave it to experts, like Bertrand Russell said. And most people do. They can't think for themselves. They only quote the experts in the magazines. They're giving up the right to have a personal identity, a uniqueness. In fact, the the drum beats coming across the New Age movement and all the magazines tied together and all the whole stuff tied together and all the social group think in schools where you cannot be an individual you'll be ostracized you must come to group consensus that's all part of it all by design but to be little old you is to be inadequate and a failure and a scary thing the ability to use your a brain and now you're afraid to because you don't know what you might think about and of course governments will be quite happy when you can't think about anything and that's the intent of all of this however you won't need a lot of government either because they'll also be out of business you won't need police or military Lenin said this now Russell knew it too he's the capitalist and the communist working in the same agenda both saying the same things that when this was all perfected they would no longer need police or military or court systems and everybody wondered well the ones that did think wondered and said well without changing human nature how could that possibly be well they knew that science was going to be the conqueror here it'll be impossible to make an individual decision about something when you're no longer a separate, unique individual. And this is only one step in their never-ending story. 
as they go through and that's all happened, then they can go to work and create purpose-made humans from scratch to be more efficient and perfect to serve them. Not too many, they don't need them. And the rest will simply die off, maybe quickly, maybe slowly, depending on our utilitarian value at the time. What I'm telling you about is no secret. It's been written about long ago. The elite have written books about it themselves. They've all read each other's books. The mainstream media will never make a big deal of these books when they're published, but legally they're published out there for you if you want to read them. They're not pleasant. There's no... A good guy at the end that, that saves the day It's all a straightforward agenda With their reasons for doing so And they have trained the public As Russell said To be egocentric, Where they avoid the unpleasant things And look towards pleasure They've been trained to do that So have all the New Agers doesn't matter what group, cult, whatever they go into, see they're all the same, they're all connected. Under a myriad of names, they're all the same thing. And they've taught them all to stay away from negative people. Think positive. Don't look at the negative, turn your back on the negative. Well, here they are turning their back on an express train. No survival instincts left. All by design, taught through religion and repetition. I'm under no illusion that the way this is going to be marketed will bring it on. People will go and want it. You'll have little specials within the television media and the, the mainstream news where they, they, they talk to little old Joe Blow or whatever, whoever who says, oh well, yes, I've decided I need it. I'm not happy with life. And yada, yada, yada. And this is all to get us to used to the same idea. And people will go for this. Not knowing the full extent of what they're committing themselves to. They'll fall for the propaganda where it will relieve your pain of living. It could even make you happy. It could stimulate certain hormones to be released. And certain painkillers or whatever. But this is all going to get promoted. People will go for it. <coughs> and once the big drumbeat goes, the big drumbeat for, for sex, 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 and the way it was promoted you'll have it with with uh, oh, whoever is a superstar of the period you'll be there people will flock to it because human nature is so well understood but not everyone will fall for it and perhaps just perhaps because they don't like to mandate things that be too totalitarian they want to be they want us to take things voluntary you see legally it's a legality with them they want our voluntary acceptance of totalitarianism they might just leave those who say no until they die off but at least the longer that those who have conscious minds are alive fighting this evil this can still be diverted no matter how bad it seems it can be thrown off they won't give up because they never do so those who are in this battle must accept this is an ongoing battle they at the top have an agenda a timetable a business plan and they don't like getting behind but we have no choice but to fight this 
no choice whatsoever. In the full knowledge that there are people you know, and probably family friends too, who will, when this comes out in the publicity campaigns, or tara-tarying it and blowing it up, will actually want this to be done. But not all of us. The news and the facts of this are not pleasant. I'm not here to pour oil on a raging sea. I'm just telling it as it is. We're in a war, and we have been for a long, long time. Most people are completely oblivious of it. We live in an evil system, very ancient system, very evil. Charles Galton said there's always been a form of slavery. He meant in this moneyed system. And he said we're now creating a more sophisticated form of it. What he meant was the public wouldn't know they were slaves. And it's time to shatter the silence and scream through the propaganda that we get downloaded with and get louder and tell others and at least everyone can have a chance of knowing for the first time what this is all really, really about and then we shall decide if awareness and being a sentient being is worth having is it a gift or a curse personally for me I'll hang on to it for as long as I can I hope it's the same for you from Hamish and me it's good night and may your God or gods go with you Oh, oh, oh.